You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. And you certainly do. You come to Showreel. This is uh, 3CR's program about uh, the moving image, uh, specifically filmed today. Uh, and you're with Annie. I am live. I had to do something last week, so I was it was all dead. It was all dead, even though it was interesting, hopefully for you. Uh, in fact, it was uh, one of the interviews I did uh, around the Australian uh, International Documentary Conference, which finished on Wednesday, and it was a fascinating collection of... Uh, uh, events uh, running over four days. So, so if you're lucky enough to uh, put your ear to it, go to it and shake hands with people, uh, you're a lucky person. Um, perhaps if I'm if uh, I'm able, I'll bring you some snippets, uh, things that uh, blew my mind, actually. There was a, quite a fantastic piece about um, a collaboration between Adam Goods and two filmmakers who are uh, in fact? I'll, I'll have I'll have to play this a little excerpt which describes it. It's so complicated. Uh, it's sort of uh, film uh, data and um, country all in one. Quite a incredible collaboration, and it's uh, it's being uh, aired in Adelaide. Uh, called and it's called uh, the Invisible. If you're in Adelaide, yeah. <laughs> It'd be worth going to see. Anyway, but today we've got two films. Uh, James Vaughan, uh, he's made this film called Friends and Strangers. It's his uh, debut uh, feature and it's a really interesting film and it's going to get an airing at ACME, I think, in fact, tonight. And there may be some other screenings as well. That's uh, March the 10th. And we're going to follow that up with uh, Danny Cohen with his film about Courtney Barnett, uh, Anonymous Club. Two pretty interesting films. But before we do... 3CR gives space for voices excluded from mainstream media to people who want to be heard. And to help keep 3CR on the air, you need to donate and subscribe. Call 9419 8377 or online at 3cr.org.au. Yeah, you're with Annie on Showreel and uh, we'll... um, Kickstart with uh, an interview I did with James Vaughan, lovely fellow, with his film Friends and Strangers. Um, I know it's your first feature, but uh, I was really struck by its sort of Monsieur Trudeau sort of quality to it. Um, you know the French film, uh, film uh, Monsieur Hulot's uh, Adventures. Oh you? yes, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, definitely. There was a, a sort of um, a clownish element to the main character that I wanted, yeah, I wanted him to have without without it always being totally on the surface. It kind of just, yeah, uh, Mr. Bean was another uh, another one that we were talking about on set, or at least the actor um, playing playing Ray, uh, non-actor I should say, but the the person playing Ray was yeah often felt he was in, inhabiting a kind of Mr. Bean like 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 figure um yeah no it was definitely something that we wanted comedy to come through uh often at these points of uh crossroads of sorts in the film where a, you know a wall's been hit or something and it's it's all very it's all very much told in minute in a miniature form the problems are all very small scale but um when he comes up against some obstacle often yeah he'll do something quite silly and um as a way of yeah not exactly resolving the situation um often just like deepening the the mystery about what he's even trying to achieve but yeah it was something that that clowning clowning aspect was something we uh, we did talk about a bit yeah well, it's an unusual uh format to take i mean it's not about there are dramas and comedy involved in this film uh but it's not your usual uh narrative arc is it you were actually searching for something else yeah, it's it's true. Um and it's not that the film as you say doesn't have things happening in a traditional sort of plot sense, but they are a little bit sideways and um maybe not configured in in the way that they normally would be with the build, you know, steady build towards a climax or problems that that are building towards some kind of resolution. The film snakes snakes along and I guess that was for me just a reflection of the kinds of things the kinds of films, um, but uh, but yeah, whether it's books or or things beyond film too. Just I, I like that quality where you're not you're never quite sure where it's going, and you you know that the person who's made it is aware of some you know narrative formulas and conventions, but they're dipping in and out of them. Uh, and it was just something in the writing that I wanted this film to have, and knowing too that that would probably alienate and frustrate people looking for something a little more traditionally character driven and story driven but um yeah fortunately one 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 aspect of funding something yourself is that you can just pursue your own interests in a way uh even if even if it is something that would have made it hard to get funded or might might make it hard to find an audience too so I, I guess that uh, you're making reflections about internal and external time and space that's what you're doing right yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely part of it. Feeling like it was a film that was taking a lot from real life and some of the the repetitiveness of of real life, without even necessarily making a comment on things being good or bad, but just wanting to make a film that did capture something of the sense of actually being in the world, where you know long periods of time pass where not much happens, or you have a full day but you don't feel like you've achieved anything, or yeah, you have a series of a series of kind of misfortunate, you know, a day of bad luck, but none of it's too particularly catastrophic, but it just feels feels important to you at that time. So I wanted the yeah, the film to, to be full of these these little digressions and um oddities and things that I suppose aren't aren't particularly exceptional but or profound on the surface, but do make up so much of how life has actually lived i'll tell you i loved the um cinematography and the clarity of the shots that you took i love that sort of stuff um tell me about the shooting 
Yeah, so the cinematographer, uh, his name is Dimitri Zaunders, and he was one of the first people involved in the project. And I knew with a film that was low budget and self-funded that having someone in that, that was just going to be a really important person, you know, whoever was, was in that job. So I was quite careful about, yeah, thinking about who I was going to, to ask to be involved and was hoping that the right person would come along at the right time. And fortunately, they did because Dimitri, yeah, I just was amazed at how well we clicked from from early on and his willingness to, I guess, commit just 100% to the project. We just did so much work together in, in pre-production, but even before pre-production, visiting campsites and, you know, places all over New South Wales, doing a lot of driving together, looking for the locations that would work for... I guess what I had in mind, but also met Dimitri's needs, which were quite particular. He really wanted the whole film to be backlit. And I think part of what makes it so vivid, even though a lot of the shots, you know, it's just a camera on tripod uh, not moving, you know, that, that can that can be dull as well. But I think Dimitri was really excited about that challenge and, and having everything backlit gives it a kind of a volume that, you know, it's a technical side of, filmmaking that I don't fully understand and I learned a bit more from working with him but he he was very uh that was sort of a non-negotiable thing for him so yeah there was a lot of work not just in choosing locations but in working out the schedule you know the the shot the shooting schedule because he had to you know if, if he wanted something backlit and we knew the characters were going to be standing in a certain spot and the camera faced them in a certain spot then it meant that shot he you know needed to do from 9 to 10 a.m or 4 to 5 p.m and we didn't have, didn't have a huge amount of flexibility on the day to change that so the planning yeah, i think you know that was more work but it saved us a lot of headaches too it just meant we were more prepared going into the shoot and um knew what we were up against well it's really beautiful it's i, I just it really comes out in the wash it's just fantastic in fact how um i really want to talk about the interior of the um house which is just gobsmacking yeah. the the um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the art is just just fantastic isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And we just got really lucky with that house because I visited that house. Uh, I, I used to work at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney and um, someone I worked with there was friends with an artist who uh, the owner of that house had, had recently bought their work and they're having a bit of a thing and like a bit of an event at the house. And I, yeah, felt like it was mildly inappropriate that I was there. I didn't really know anyone, um, but I, I just ended up there one night and um the house just yeah as it would being someone who's never been to a place like that it just it was pretty hard to forget and I just yeah it kind of inspired the writing of that part of the film and I didn't realize how attached I was to that house in particular until we started looking at other houses and it was you know everything was wrong about them and it's like no 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 it needs this it needs that and I realized I was just over and over explaining the particular layout of this house which I already knew about um but was was not confident that, that the owner would say yes. But when I finally got on to her, and that was a bit hard, but when I did, she just, yeah, she said yes straight away, and she was so supportive. It's so lurid. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's like a um, sort of a, an orchid, you know, or... Yeah. It's just it's so amazing. Yeah, that, and the art, too, on the on the walls is, yeah. is so amazing. And it's that the was art. all, like, part of her personal collection. Yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine even to... living in that room. I know, I know. Yeah, it'd be hard to relax. 
sometimes, <laughs> you know, some of the speakers leaning over you. But um, yeah. People people have to go and see your film just to see that room. But also the um, guy that you got, the older guy, he's such a great actor, uh, and the dialogue is so hilarious. I just found it so funny. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm glad you did. Uh, I think Greg Zimbalis, who plays who plays that part, he. He hasn't really done much acting, and uh, he was the uh, he he was in my short film that I did uh, in 2013. And he, my younger brother, uh, his best friend in primary school, Greg was his dad. And Mum had said to me, "Oh, you know, Greg, you've met Greg before. He's really keen. He's heard you studying film, and he's really keen to to, to give acting a go. And so when you're doing your final project at uni, you know, he really wants to." You know, just keep him in mind, and I was a bit like, "Oh God, it's going to be just just one of those awkward things that's not good, doesn't work out well for anyone." But um, so I was I was quite hesitant about even meeting up with him. But yeah, he was just incredible. In in I found him so good in that in that short we did together. And then he was another person who I didn't realize how much I was writing that part for him uh, until we got to to casting and. And it's like I don't even know why I bothered doing auditions for anyone else, you know, because it was just—it <laughs> was always going to be him. And he's—he's he's so talented with, I suppose, making lines that are that are written uh, sound like they're just that's just whatever's blurting out of his 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 mouth at that point, you know. It does sound so so he's so present, um, which is just all the more amazing considering he's not, yeah, a trained actor and hasn't—he's done those two things with me and one or two other things, but I'm. Yeah, I agree. You know, people in Australia and overseas that are always talking about Greg, and I hope he does get more opportunities because he is so amazing. Yeah, I know. So, so, I mean, it, it was, did it all come out in the edit? Because it, to me, it's a bit like poetry in a way, because it's like sitting beside a river and picking up really great rocks and feeling them and and uh, really appreciating them. That's what your film's like. Oh, that's an amazing, yeah, that's an amazing, beautiful um, compliment. I, yeah, that's lovely to, to hear because I, I had never thought of it in that way, but I, there is some, yeah, that that resonates with me, I suppose, in the editing process and and in the writing process too. There were scenes and I guess movements of between you know between characters and situations, and uh, there was a lot of just picking things up and seeing how they felt and seeing how they cooperated with other things and putting them back down if they didn't didn't work and um so yeah that was something that went through from not so much on the in the shooting because you just you've got to have a plan and just stick to it there but in the writing and editing definitely there was and, and the structure of the film does did leave us some flexibility with being able to yeah just just um see what was feeling good i suppose rather than having to stick to a start middle end uh type of thing yeah, very interesting. Uh, in fact, it leads me to wonder what you're going to do next because you're a particular type of filmmaker. Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> it's been a long, long road with this film. I think I started the writing in 2015 and, um, yeah, then, you know, all kinds of COVID delays and things and the film is coming out this weekend. So it's had a, the last year uh, some festival you know, some great festival appearances and, and a few festivals in Australia too, but this is definitely the 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 final, I guess, punctuating moment of the, of the whole thing uh, for me. So I do feel from now on a bit more uh, 
my brain is a bit lighter or something for, for thinking about the new thing. But I have started a, a, a script that actually begins, I'm hoping that, that it will begin with a big part of the film that I wrote and we actually shot but then removed uh, from Friends and Strangers. Uh, just It just wasn't fitting with the, with the rest of it um, and it took us a long time to figure that out. We were moving in different places and thinking it was placement that, that was the issue. But when it finally got taken out, the whole film just worked better. But I did love it. And I would like the next project to start with that uh, sketch. And um, it was about 20, 25 minutes and then continue on. It was more outwardly surreal and, and dreamlike uh, set in a national park with some of the smaller characters from Friends and Strangers in a more, yeah, more absurd dreamlike kind of setup that just gets more and more odd and uh, nightmarish as it as it goes on uh and i'm interested in this one having a little bit more yeah maybe more of a direct commentary on some of our contemporary political environment uh, and climate too so uh having a yeah parliamentary aspect to it mm. hi i'm jennifer Peedham, director of sherpa and mountain and you're listening to 3cr and you're with annie as on Sharil and uh uh that uh, ID um, is uh, fortuitous because uh, Jennifer Peedham has just released a fantastic film called River, and uh, it is a mighty piece. It's a uh, it's a, uh, a voice for the river, and it champions uh, the need for uh, us to caretake river and rivers. So it's worth going to see. We've just been listening to uh, James Vaughan, a lovely fellow, and his new film, Friends and Strangers. And we're now going to go straight on to Danny Cohen, who's just uh, about to release in theatres Anonymous Club, which is an in-depth look at the life and times of Courtney Barnett, the wonderful music maker. So tell me... How did you get to uh, do this? How did Courtney uh, Barnett agree to do this? Courtney and I have uh, been friends for a while. We started um, working together. I was taking some um, portraits of her. And then uh, we moved into doing some uh, more photos with her and Kurt Vile and some album artwork um, and eventually some music videos. So then we kind of had worked together. I don't even know how many before, maybe like seven or eight projects before the documentary Um came about so it just kind of felt like this natural progression um, to start working on something uh, longer. So did you start as a photographer and then move into making films? Yes. Okay so how did you find that uh, that would have been a very interesting journey for you? Yeah definitely I mean I, I kind of had uh, you know I, I grew up around cinema I worked at cinemas when I was young and a big film you know head but um, never really thought that that's what I'd end up doing. Um, and I, I guess the difference between photography and filmmaking, like, you know, when I did my first um, music video, how many years ago, I was like, it, it's just so collaborative. Um, photography feels so isolating. Like you just kind of, um, you know, you collaborate, but you, you still kind of on your own. Whereas filmmaking just has like such a, such a sense of, of, you know, collaboration and um, everyone's kind of pushing each other to to, to find something new, um, which is really exciting and, um, yeah, fun to be a part of. Well, the thing about it is with uh, there's a certain 
element in this film which has a sensibility of stillness and a perspective on the person that's being observed and in fact the world around her that is being observed but then it moves into action um, so in a way it does harken back to the strengths of photography and then our uh, understanding of the fluidity of film mm, yeah definitely I mean the the way I was shooting it and, and the plan was to always make it feel really um, meditative and slow and um, you know even with my framing and stuff and kind of letting Courtney walk around in the frame. It's it's not so much following the action up close. I kind of would like find my frame of a room and then let Courtney, you know, inhabit that space. Um, so I think that's just the only way I sort of knew how to, to shoot. Um, but I think the result is quite, um, has a nice stillness and slowness to it. How long were you shooting? For? Oh, three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on and off the road, yeah, and, and back home and, you know, everywhere. <laughs> Did you choose or was it the the moments or was it just when she was available? Uh, no, I mean, it was just as often as possible, really, um, whenever our sort of schedules lined up. I mean, I was I was I made myself completely available um, for all the times that um, she was touring. So I was on um, majority of those tours over those years. Um, but then when she was home, it was just like every now and then I'd go around and check in. And um, we kind of never really knew what we were going to film. We'd just, I'd just be there and start rolling and um, kind of just keep capturing whatever she was up to. Because you knew her and, you know, have an understanding of her, did you have things that you thought were a good thing to ask? Um I mean, I think I, over time I kind of understood um, through, the, through the dictaphone or through the dictaphone maybe I had a perspective of what Courtney was going through. So I think over time as I was getting Courtney to kind of, you know, keep those diaries going but perhaps on camera to me, I was definitely, you know, very gently trying to angle questions towards a broader story. The thing about uh, Courtney Barnett's music is that it's uh, honest, as well as funny, actually. I find her music incredibly amusing uh, and um, smart, but poetic as well. And um, it, it was fascinating to uh, see how she was able to be as honest even in this film. I mean, the dictaphone, uh, that was a really interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, I just think... Courtney naturally has a sort of shyness to her and um, I just I just knew that if I was pointing a camera at her and, and kind of interviewing her she, naturally she just she's not comfortable um, in front of the camera which is totally fine like I think a lot of people um, aren't so um, it was kind of a device to allow her to talk about how she's feeling without any pressure um, of getting it right or you know saying something that she you know, just whatever whatever hang-ups come with being filmed just gave her the opportunity to, to kind of be herself and do it in her own time when she felt comfortable to do so. I think the result then is, is something that is really raw and exploratory and um, has a lot of fragility, and I think um, that actually helps people connect um, to her story because she does feel so honest and down-to-earth and she, she's she's super relatable in that sense. I, I found the first part of it really fascinating where you had uh, 
uh, other people's views of her. That was really great. Like, I love the Chinese boy. Uh, that was such a lovely interaction. But also, was it the the German um, host who asked the most full, full question about her being an angry person? Uh, I, I, that that particular song about "I'm not your mother." Um, I, I thought every woman in the entire world would know what that song was about. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to show that because you know, doing press on the road, it, it's not. It's not easy. Um, it's quite grueling because it, it, everyone's trying to get a different story and, and get a different reaction and all that sort of stuff. So there are some people that... And, and I think also with that particular scene, there was a language barrier, so maybe he wasn't um, translating it the right way or the question didn't come across the right way, but it still was like quite a... Quite a um, you know, you can feel it in the air. There's a lot of tension when you're asking a question like that. And it's, it's almost belittling Courtney. And um, it's just a really difficult first question right off the bat yeah it's, i think it's important to show that it's not i don't think she was necessarily treated poorly but i think just in, in those circumstances um it's 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 difficult being an artist like that yeah uh, that, that i guess is really the truth of the matter they're two two different worlds uh, an advertising or commercial world as well as the artistic world two different places yes and that that's the role that this actual documentary plays, doesn't it? That's what you're doing. You're you're uh, sailing the course of a of an artistic, creative person's life. Yeah, I always was like trying to think of it as like maybe Courtney is like the protagonist and antagonist at the same time because like you know maybe it's like how the world sees her. Um, it's kind of like the protagonist of kind of a story, but then how she sees herself might be the antagonist or something like this. There's like, it's, it's, it's like important to try and show both sides. And by so, sort of showing all those stories to begin with, it's it, for people, one, that don't know who she is can get an understanding of who she might be. Um, but two, for those people that are familiar with her, it's kind of reminding everyone what her public image kind of is, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I know, because she's incredibly popular and there's a reason for why she's incredibly popular. Yeah. But she doesn't uh, seek out grandeur, you know what I mean? No, no, not at all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I've just recently read a couple of the Patti Smith books and there's a it's kind of a similarity. Have you read those books? Uh, the Year of the Monkey and uh, the earlier one, which are they're autobiographical. And in a funny kind of way, there's a similarity in um, sharing life, uh, which then is a doorway into a much bigger sort of Alice, Alice in Wonderland perspective of life. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we have it like Courtney reads Patty Smith quote um, in the film. Um, she's 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 a big fan, and and the way she sort of um, the way Patty phrases things can just really help transcend and cut through um and uh, you know in the film it does help courtney um during a darker period i got drunk and fell asleep atop the sheets but luckily i left the heater on
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.